Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pedrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it. Throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. With the last episode of the Thompson to Clark podcast in the year of 2020, not a lot of stuff going on in Giants <laughs> baseball this week. Holy cow. Our, our biggest Giants story actually has to do with the San Diego Padres. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> when, you're, when your rivals are making moves and you're just kind of sitting back um, and, and doing nothing, it's kind of painful to watch, but, <laughs> you know, it just kind of is what it is. We've made, we've made our moves. Um, you know, we had our, our flurry of small moves, but we're not making the ones that uh, that the Padres are making. Man, that that's insane. Yeah, absolutely, man. They're, I think they 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 can smell it. They they can smell that they're close. I I still don't think they're better roster uh, wise than the Dodgers. Though you know, you put those teams on the field and 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 they played really competitively, but they're getting closer. That's for sure. Yeah, um, you know, taking a look at the moves. You want to get right into these moves here, or oh, well, let's save it. Let's save okay. It. All right. Yeah. Right, right. No, no, no. Let's because there's it. a lot. I mean, I was, <laughs> I even missed one. I was doing a little uh, research on some of these players here, and then I and then I even missed one that that hasn't been kicked around too much today. So there, there's quite a few that they've done and that they may do. Yeah. So just for folks, so you know the lay of the land here. Uh, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about that stuff, but uh, at the end of the show, we're because there's not a lot of Giants news. We're going to talk about our favorite Giants players of all time per position. So I thought that would be a little fun exercise. It was a fun exercise just for me to kind of remember who the guys were and like you know because you can go by eras. Like I think the eras that I'm going to remember the most are uh, when I first started watching. When they first started winning, and then right when Bonds comes in, like those are my three sharpest memories. Yeah. Obviously, you know when they win the World Series, um, but I'm a little bit older, so those memories aren't the same. Like, <laughs> like they're they're different, but um, you know those are like my kids. Like that's their first memories of of Giants. So, well, my my list spans from 1986. Could have gone from like 1983, but I started in '86. All the way till now. So there, yeah, I mean, I'm sure yours does too. And it's yeah. going to be a fun list to go through. Yeah. Okay. So before we get into this thing, you know, this is episode 23. And when I first talked to you about doing this, you're, you're, you're like, you very safely, you were like, okay, I want to get through the first one and then we'll see. And then if, 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 if it goes well, then, you know, we'll keep doing it. And, you know, here we are 23 weeks later. We couldn't have done this really without the pandemic, right? Like I know there's so many terrible things going about the pandemic, but one of the things that I tried to do to make best use of my time 
is to just be creative and, and try new things and launch new projects. And this was one of those things that we I that we did for 2020. So I'm pretty proud of that. But man, you know, 23 episodes later, what is your what is your take on just you know doing a weekly podcast now? You're, you're a vet, <laughs> a half a year vet now. Yeah, I you know it's one of those things. I like you like you said, you and I have been talking about it for a long time. We thought, oh, we can get on and and do something about this. But kind of as it started to inform fold after the first couple of weeks, it became just like a big time, like addiction, you know, because I'm, you and I, we watch the games anyways, right? Yep. We're, we're hanging out, we're watching the games, we're texting each other, we're tweeting, we're doing all this stuff. So when it comes down to, it, it was kind of a no brainer. Yeah. After a couple of weeks, I was like, well, you know, this whole week of weird stuff happened. My wife doesn't <laughs> want to hear about it. Right. I mean, she didn't, she doesn't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm screaming from the other room. Oh my God, come see this replay. She's like, Really? I'm trying to do this right now. And you want me to come in? Never mind. Never mind. And then I, I text Garrett about it <laughs> and then save all that up. And to talk about it for a week um, is pretty crazy. And just to think about, you know, during the season, how long our shows go, we're like, oh, it'll be about an hour. And then an hour and a half later, because so much happened that week and, and we're just big baseball fans. And, yeah. and so we can talk about, you know, the Giants and but then we start going on. Well, what about this? What about this game? What about this no hitter? What about this wacky play that happened? And so we can kind of go on forever about baseball. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, I can even imagine now, you know, I'm, I'm working from home, but going back to work, I, I absolutely will make time. There will be time to do this. I don't care if it's 11 o'clock at night, whatever <laughs> it is. I mean, again, we're watching the games anyways. We're into the games anyways. And we're, and we're just going to I mean, this is going to go on forever let's just say right now it's, yeah. it's never gonna stop. i'm in i'm in we'll, we'll, we'll circle back when we get to episode 500 absolutely um all right so how was christmas it was great it was uh it was very relaxing we uh because of the pandemic we're trying not to cross contaminate with uh with grandparents yeah i hate to even use those words because then you know you don't want them to get offended and say oh do you think we're sick do you think we have something no it's just you know and the CDC recommends we're trying to be safe. We're trying to go with that. So, you know, we, we only got to see live and in person one set of grandparents, the other ones, because we have um, family members doing, you know, out working and other things. That side of the family, we were able to do Zoom on Christmas Eve, which was really fun. Um, so we had three different households opening up gifts. Uh, got a lot of cool vinyl. I got a, a couple of uh, Sinatra records and a couple of um, Beatles records, all reissues. So they were brand new, still sealed. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, we were able to, um, we didn't go on vacation this year, so we were able to save up and, and we got the kids a Switch, a mm. Nintendo Switch. So we've been having a lot of fun. You got the PS5, they got the Switch. Yeah, that absolutely. Works. And I'm using that Switch, man. That thing is a blast. It's an absolute blast because uh, we ended up got buying that, um, you know, Harmonix who does Rock Band. Uh-huh. Uh, we ended up buying their new game called Fuser and it's a, uh, it's a DJ game. So you get to go on stage and you have all these tracks to choose from and it's like, I'm I'm going to take the keyboards from um, uh, from a Donna Summer song and drop that mm. in here. And then here's some super freak vocals. Throw that in there. How do they, how do, they deal with all like the copyright on that music? That, you know, they they have harmonics has a really good deal because they have rock band. Uh, mm. So they've got a lot of this music kind of already under wraps. Um, and then you can go on and there's there's songs you can buy for two dollars. So you yeah. just go into the DLC store and just buy 
different songs for two bucks. But, um, but yeah, they've, they've got that whole thing worked out to a T. I mean, they've been doing it for years and years. Um, but that's fun. You know that, and we have a couple of the Mario games and of course got to get animal crossing. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever played animal crossing or seen it, but it's a highly addictive game. I've actually, <laughs> I've, I've started a character in animal crossing and it's pretty darn fun. <laughs> awesome. No, you know, I was telling people this was the weirdest Christmas ever, but at the same time, it was like you really focused on the people who were uh, closest to you. Right. And the thing that I it was in the back of my head, though, you know, thankfully, you know, I have my wife and my stepkids and then my kids came over. I did have to miss Christmas Eve, which was hanging out with my ex-wife's family, who I love. And that's like the first time that I've missed that in about 20 years, which is kind of nuts to think about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my parents are, are far away anyway, so we wouldn't generally spend the day with them. But being able to Zoom with them was fun. But it's really like, you know, it really make, made me think like, oh, you know, you, 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 you know, just make sure that the day is really good with the people that you're really close with. And then next year, you know, we can, we can go bonkers again and we can have a really great time. But this was like, it was like close connected Christmas. And, uh, and I really enjoyed that part of it, but it, it did feel really weird. Yeah. That, that was the strange part of it because, uh, one side of my family, uh, is, uh, my mom's side of the family is a big Spanish family. And so we usually have paella on Christmas Eve. Mm, yeah. My since, God. since I can even remember, I mean, a paella and, and crab cappino. Those are, those are the two. And it's just, Oh my God. That's like two, that's like two special things and all on the oh, same yeah. day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so my grandfather used to just, you know, just kind of simmer the cappino all day and then they'd make the paella in the evening. And so we tried, uh, you know, we have one of those instant pots. Uh-huh. And so we tried a paella this year and it turned out really good. We were uh, actually pretty impressed with it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't my grandmother's recipe, but it was good. And, and, we enjoyed it. And like you said, we just tried to, you know, made the most, we made cookies that day. We watched as many Christmas specials that we could. Uh, I opened a really nice beer that day. Um, you know, we opened a nice bottle of wine later and just kind of, you know, just chilled out and, and, and spent the time with each other. And then on Christmas day, same thing, you know, open up the gifts. Now we got the switch, the, you know, all kinds of stuff for the kids to play with and for us to play with. And we just sat back and, you know, enjoyed each other's company. So it, it was nice. All right. I know that it is very early. Those, you know, this is the magic of, of me not having to work this week. Uh, and, and so you had mentioned that you were not going to uh, bring an alcoholic beverage to this show. You, you, you went for the, what is it, uh, peppermint? What did you say it was? So we have one of those ninja coffee makers where you can just, uh, it's kind of like those K-cups, but without the waste of the K-cups. So yeah, you just, yeah. you know, you put a, it's got a little scooper so you can make one cup of coffee. And so I got my very special uh, Beatles Abbey Road coffee mug uh, that I bought in um at the MGM, you know, where they have the big love show in Las Vegas for mm-hmm. the Beatles. Every time we go there, I go to that shop and I just walk around. I, I mm-hmm. can be there all day. I mean, it's fantastic. So I grabbed that mug and I put in just a regular, you know, half and half. So half calf, half regular. And then we have that Tarani peppermint syrup. Mm. And so I put a little bit of in there and a little bit of cream and mixed it up. And it's a very good afternoon drink. It's only 39 degrees here right now outside. Um, we just had a little snow overnight, just a dusting, nothing big. And we might have a little more tonight. So, you know, 
trying to keep warm with the coffee, but I, I will definitely hit the bourbon later when it's when it's later in the evening. <laughs> so because you were drinking coffee, I, I go on my, you know, my normal sort of two and a half mile, three mile walk. Uh, and I'll tell you this story. This is like the oldest old man story in that I actually told you, but I don't think yeah. we, did, we, did, we didn't mention it. That we, um, we did not. I didn't want to embarrass you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on a hike with Crystal and our puppy and, um, you know, walking down like the, you know, it's, it's a little rocky. It's a little hilly, but nothing too, too bad. And my right ankle just collapses. I, I'm not even sure why. I don't know if I walked on anything uneven. And so, um, they're like, if you played sports or are, are fairly active, you kind of know the difference in injuries. You're like, ah, oh, that's something I can shake off or, oh no, this is something that's really bad. And when I sprained or twisted my ankle, whatever my, when my ankle collapsed, my immediately thought was, okay, I've sprained my ankle or twisted my ankle many times, but almost always playing basketball growing up. Like I probably have done this to myself 10 times or even more on both ankles too, not only on, on one. And so I was trying to think back, okay, this pain, how does this feel? And pretty much what happens is, is I, I'm kind of going down a hill a little bit. We're, we're walking down a hill and when it collapses, my worry is that I'm going to like hit the ground and then just roll. And I could roll off the edge, like not roll off the edge of the, of the earth or anything. We'll we'll never see you again. Right. But there's like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of steep and then you, you go down. It would be, it would not be a fun fall. Let's put it that way. So (laughs) no fall is fun, but that, yeah, (laughs) I, I, I end up hopping on my left leg for, I would say about, uh, I don't know, about 30 feet. Oh, geez. <laughs> so the, and the only way I stop is because there's a tree and then I can kind of hang on to the tree and then I stop my momentum. And I was, I was a little bit of proud. I was a little bit proud of, of the balance. So I was like, ah, oh, I still have the balance. But, uh, but okay. All so that, so all so that I, core work, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been hobbling for the entire week. And just yesterday, I was finally able to walk again. So I walked today. I walked to Starbucks. That's kind of my destination whenever I go on my walks. So I had my coffee. I was like, ah, Brad's drinking coffee. I'll drink coffee. And then I had a thought on on the way back. I was like, I have this cold brew whiskey that I hate. Oh, that's right. And it doesn't taste good. I've tried it in with, with ice. I've tried it with seltzer, like a highball. No, it doesn't taste good at all. This is but the Jameson, what, right? The Jameson. Yeah. But what if I dump it? in my iced americano yes i was like hmm let's try that now you know you have your children my stepchildren are with their dad today so i don't have to worry about you know kind of being 100 percent there i could have a drink (laughs) at uh, four o'clock in the afternoon and oh my gosh it is so delicious this is how this was meant to be (laughs) like i found a use for this whiskey that was just going to sit there for years and years and years this whiskey now has a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. So you That's dump awesome. it into the cold coffee with a little bit of heavy cream and it is delicious. And I was, you know, <clears throat> honestly, I was going to do a shot of bourbon. And then I started thinking, I was like, you know what? As I'm going to grab the bourbon, I'm looking around the house and I'm going, 
I had a lot of work to do in this house <laughs> when I'm done with the podcast. So it's probably best I don't hit the bourbon that early. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think my wife appreciated it. She was like, oh, yeah, because, uh, you know, we've got this over here we want to take care of in this. Oh, and don't forget all the cardboard boxes in the garage because, you know, pandemic plus Christmas equals a ridiculous amount of cardboard boxes to break down in the garage right now. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't drive my car much because of this. And so they are covering my car They're all <laughs> over the top of my car. Cause that's the only place to put them. So, Oh yeah. And Sunnyvale. Cause now we live in Sunnyvale. The recycling is much more complicated, which is great. I'm, I'm glad, Sure. but I can only, um, I can either put some of the smaller cardboard boxes in in the paper side of the recycling and everything else. I kind of have to bundle and you have a limit. You can only do sort of a three by what is it? A three by three, I think something like that. So it's a really small bundle uh, of cardboard. And so it takes a long time, like it, especially for Christmas, we have so many boxes. I'm going to be I, I won't do all of it tonight because tonight's I have to get the garbage, but I'll do like a lot of the small stuff tonight. But man, next week, I'm going to be just cutting cardboard and bundling cardboard for hours. It's, it literally is going to take hours. That's exactly what I do. I, I just but but we have like a large garbage can that you can put anything in. So you mm -hmm. put everything in it, cardboard, glass, you know, everything that's recyclable goes into this. But then you have to make room because then you have to realize, and, and it comes every two weeks for us. So it's like you put it in there and it's like, well, you can't put too much cardboard because then we've got two weeks worth of bottles and cans that also have to go in there. So you have to be real strategic about it, how you cut them, how you fit them in there. And then you have to make sure that they're not stuck in there because then when they get lifted and go into the garbage cans, if they don't get shaken out yeah they, they go right back in and they're there for another two weeks so <laughs> all right I, I promise we're gonna get to some baseball talk sure one more we're story talk more about recycling <laughs> have one more story it is giants related though so uh we you know we got married in august and you know we we sort of didn't we couldn't we couldn't do bachelor party we couldn't do any of that stuff right because of, of the situation so I told my kids and then uh, my best friend, Ed, uh, that, you know, we'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll try and figure out something, you know, maybe when we all get back together, like, you know, I, JJ turns 21 in uh, November. So if, if we're allowed to do anything in that time frame, that might be a good job to kind of get together, whether it's Vegas or, you know, a, a football game or basketball, whatever. Yeah, right. So, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to get us all matching black Giants jerseys nice. with our names on the back. And so uh, this was a, a real pain because working with uh, whatever the MLB distributor is, it's like Fanatics or something. Yeah. They're I a went, tough company to deal with. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I went through three different versions of trying to order these jerseys and they were just like, nope, cannot take your money because the vendor keeps spitting it back at us. And I got on the phone. So finally, uh, I, I just randomly tried again and it worked on three of them. <laughs> So my jersey, which I just put my initials on the back, my son's, my oldest son's jersey, he just wanted his last name. My buddy, he wanted a, a nickname. And so we got all our jerseys, but JJ's would not go through. And the reason is, is because he wanted it to say 
lincecum on the back oh <laughs> so he put 55 and lincecum yeah spit it back so i got three jerseys didn't get the one and i was like wow that's weird so i tried it again nope spit it back and i was like okay so there's something with lincecum like you cannot put the name what if your name is lincecum You're right it's your real last name you're out of luck and you can't <laughs> order a jersey with the giants and 55 on the back so I uh, I was trying to figure out what we're going to do. And then I go onto eBay and then all of a sudden JJ's like, oh, don't even get me the black one. I like the cream ones better. I'm like, but you're not matching yeah. with us anymore. <laughs> He's like, no, the cream ones are better. I was like, oh, God. So I order one off of eBay. It is a small and it is uh, it's it's a Lincecum jersey, but it doesn't fit. So it, it's too small for him. Oh, God. Thankfully. My wife does not have very much Giants-related clothing. So I was like, okay, here, you can have the, this Giants jersey, this Lincecum jersey. And then I finally ordered another one off eBay, which was twice as expensive. But it has the 2010 World Series patch on it. Oh, nice. So it's it's actually like the, the best jersey out of all of our jerseys. But who knew? Like, you can, <laughs> like Lincecum, why is that like the, the name that you cannot use? Well, I think because when you're doing a custom jersey, then you run into the issues of it's not as expensive as a regular player's jersey. So I think it's the way to get around it. Mm. So people, people were going on there and doing a custom jersey and putting like, you know, Bonds 25 and they're like nope that is a MLBPA player yeah. they but are they don't all, they also don't sell Lincecum jerseys anymore right exactly so maybe you know maybe because it's an MLBPA thing it just for some reason since he's in that they just can't do it but who who knows I mean it's fanatics is really difficult oh my god I, I've dealt with him quite a few times and usually when I buy stuff from there I go okay I'm gonna order these things rather than sending it back and going through that trouble, it better either fit one of my kids, my wife, or somebody I know who's a Giants fan because I'm not sending stuff back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's such a pain. Uh, okay, so let's talk about these Padres. They uh, they made some, some moves recently. Um, the first move that I saw was uh, the Blake Snell deal. So they traded. We were talking about this when, when the playoffs were, uh, were, were, World Series was happening about, you know, Blake Snell and what do the Rays do? And well, the Rays sell high almost every single time. And Blake Snell is a hot commodity and they would rather sell him on the way up than keep him while he sort of is not the hot commodity anymore. That's kind of the way they do business. Um, but there was this other sneaky signing that they had, uh, this Korean infielder by the name of uh, Hey Song Kim. I, I'm not sure about that first pronunciation of the first name we'll go with it and um and so they signed these guys and now there's talk that they are going after you darvish and maybe a catcher from the cubs as well so they are like i think this is like this is their statement right because they they lose clevenger um for the year because of tommy john so they got to replace him i i i, I mean if clevenger is able to pitch this year they probably don't chase snell but 
they are just looking to uh you know to really compete this year with the dodgers and i don't know i mean are they the second best team in the national league at this point right now you know, you kind of have to go with that um, simply because you're also looking at the Cubs are starting to kind of sell off their commodities if they're looking to get rid of Darvish and Wilson Contreras, their catcher, too. Because if you remember during the season last year, the Padres traded for um, uh, the the catcher Austin Nola, uh, who was a top prospect and doing really well with the Mariners. But then as soon as the Padres got him, he hit 222 the rest of the season. So they said, well, that project's over. I mean, you know, Austin Nola is 30 years old, so they can go out and get Contreras along with Darvish. Contreras only has, he's got three years left, including this coming season. He's only making 6 million this year and he's got two arbitration years left. Um, an OPS catcher, uh, the OPS plus of 113 on his career in five years. So, yeah, I mean, they're looking to upgrade everywhere, everywhere they can get the upgrade. Um, and Song, the guy you were talking about, he's 25. He hit 306 last year with 30 home runs in the KBO. Um, they're going to plug him in at second base. He's played shortstop in third, I believe. So now you're going to get you're going to get around the infield. Um, you know, third base Machado, shortstop Tatis. Then you're going to get the new kid Song at at second, and then you're going to have Hosmer at first base. So. I mean, that's a dangerous infield. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're, I mean, they're upgrading everywhere they can. Uh, it's funny too, because I mean, you know, Clevenger did have the Tommy John, Tommy John in, in what, November? Mm -hmm. um, but I did see on Twitter, there were even some writers, some baseball writers and experts that were showing the, 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 the rotation for this year. And it was Snell, Clevenger, Darvish. And then I thought, well, Clevenger is not going to pitch this year. Yeah. I, I really don't think, I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked unless for some reason they decided they can bring him in in September, maybe in some key games, but he's got to build up arm strength and everything. Yeah, that else. sounds pretty dangerous. I mean, we saw that we saw what happened with Cueto, right? Even though yeah. Clevenger's younger than Cueto, but still. Yeah, I mean, maybe he can get you some good innings out of the bullpen if it's his day to you know throw on the side or something like that. But but really, it's and he was only three point five million, uh, you know, for them this year. So they got Blake Snell ten point five million this year, and then after that, after. I say this year. As I say this year, it means 2021. Um, then two years after that, they've got him. So they're they're not just grabbing guys to borrow them for this mm -hmm. year and make a run. I really do think at this point they are trying to build a little bit of a dynasty in the National League West. Um, the Dodgers, you know, a little bit of their pitching staff is starting to age. Their bullpen has always been hit or miss. Um They've got, you know, they went out and got Mookie Betts, signed him to a long-term deal. They've got a lot of MVPs in their lineup. Um, they don't have Justin Turner as of right now. Uh, they could sign him, but he's 36 years old. So if they do sign him, what are they going to lock him up for three years? I, I I don't think so. So maybe it's a one more year deal for mm -hmm. Turner. Um, no, I mean, I really, I really do think the Padres could overtake them this year if they're making these moves. We've also seen, you know, teams that go out and try to sign these dream teams, uh, try to trade for guys and, and create a dream team. doesn't always work out. I mean, the, the year the Giants went out and got Cueto and Samarja didn't quite work out. You know, the Giants made a little bit of a run that year. Um, 
but kind of fell flat and hasn't haven't quite been the same since they're starting to just get out from under some of those contracts right now. But looking at the money on the books, I mean, you Darvish is going to be 22 million this year, this coming year. And then he's got two years left after that. So that's mm-hmm. a big chunk of change, but um, pitching in San Diego, attractive. I mean, that's definitely an attractive destination. Then you're also going to pitch in AT&T. You're going to pitch in Dodger stadium. So, um, but yeah, it, it's it's fun to watch it. I don't like watching it in the National League West, especially when we haven't made those kind of moves this year. Uh, it's just another team to have to deal with to get to the top. Yeah, and I think if you're Farhan, uh, we've been talking about this you know pretty much since the beginning of this podcast. But you're looking at all the contracts that start to roll off starting next year, and then you got a little bit more of a clean slate to deal with to make the moves that I'm sure he wants to make. Uh, and he's just trying to keep it together, add some younger pieces, add some cheaper pieces that you can actually put around some bigger pieces uh, because they work from a, from a salary standpoint. So uh, you could sort of see him just going like, mm, one more year, two more years, then we'll be, you know, then, then we'll have a little bit more freedom to add, to do the stuff that, that San Diego and, and the Dodgers are able to do right now. Well, and I think you're right there. And and when you look at what the Padres gave up for Blake Snell, you know, four prospects, four prospects for Blake Snell, who's 28 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's only pitched in the majors for four years, but he's got a 3.24 ERA. He had some some arm issues, and I think a. Uh, I want to say it was a knee issue in 2019 and then bounced back big time this last year. And not that different season. from uh, our friend Trevor Bauer there where to kind of no. have some up and down seasons like that. No, definitely not. And uh, I mean, there is also that rumor again, it's a Twitter rumor. So you have to take it for what it is that they're also looking to maybe make a pitch to Bauer. Uh, I, I mean, at some point, if you're a starting pitcher and you see them go and get Snell and you see them get Darvish uh, and you know, they've already got a couple of arms there. Do you say, you know what, do I want to be the kind of unknown guy in the pack? Bauer doesn't seem like he wants to be the unknown guy in the pack. He's kind of seems like he wants to be the guy, Mm -hmm. which I'm all right with because a lot of guys feed off of that. That's what they want. Um, but yeah, I, and, and the Giants are really building up their their farm system, um, and so in a year or two, you could see the Giants making moves like this. You know, grab a guy where you can you can pay him for three years. I mean, they did that a couple of years ago with Longoria. wasn't quite the right thing to do, but they did it. And you know, it wasn't. Uh, it was before uh, Farhan got in there and could say, yeah, that's not a deal I would make. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, they you know they are going to build up that that farm system like they have been. And it's getting stronger and stronger to the point where they can make a deal like this in a year or two, rather than say, let's draft a guy, get him through our system, wait three or four years until he's ready. No, go out and get these guys now. There are teams that are always willing to sell. That, that That's always going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this this makes, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen this season? Like, we don't even know how many games these teams are going to play. There's, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, skepticism from people around the league who think that the the season is not going to be the full 162 games. I know the players desperately want it to be because that's how they can make their entire, uh, their entire salary. But there's so much, like, I, I can't imagine being, in the business of baseball when you don't even know 
what the roster rules are going to be like. You don't even know if if rules that were used last year are, are going to be used this year. And you're trying to put this thing together. And then, you know, just the, uh, I, I guess, unknown of how the season even plays out. Because we saw what happened last year with, you know, canceled games, suspended games, postponed games. And if you look at where where we are in the pandemic with the with the COVID nineteen virus now versus then, it's worse now. Now, hopefully, in the spring, it'll get a little bit better because people won't won't be indoors so much. But just man, like I can't even imagine being in that business and trying to make decisions. And and you know you're paid to make these decisions, these smart decisions. So for for Zadie to go like. Mm, let's let, let's let's put a you know let, we'll 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 get some some smart guys we'll get some good good players but you know when it comes to to taking a shot you know we're going to wait a little bit and be patient and wait till the those books look a lot better well and and also i know we keep talking about it almost <clears throat> almost weekly but we still don't know 100% if there will be a DH this year in the National League. We're we're assuming there won't be because I think if there was it would have been announced by now. Yeah. yeah. Um but the the baseball collective bargaining agreement the CBA uh the current one ends after next season. So I'm sure that's going to be a negotiation tactic for the owners um you know for the for the players, um, you know, again, it, it, it extends guys careers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to continue to play in the national league. If you're a hitter, that's just, you know, an awful outfielder. I'm not going to mince words, but if you're a terrible fielder in general and you have nowhere that they can hide you on the field, DH is a fantastic spot. I mean, if, Frank if Barry got, Bonds, if Barry Bonds didn't have to play left field, he might still be playing baseball right now. That's that's very <laughs> true because a lot of his knee issues were because he had to run after balls and stand out there for nine innings. Yeah, I mean, if he, he what, what would we be fifty eight something, like that? <laughs> <laughs> he'd still be out there cracking some shots. But but yeah, so I mean that that's still in play too. That that's the hard part. Um, but you just have to go and say, okay, you know, you have to kind of go into the season say we're playing 162 games um the Padres are doing the right thing they're going out and getting guys who still have three years left on the yeah, field so yeah, totally you know and and you know that brings up a point so you're an NBA fan yeah um I was asking you all kinds of questions because I don't really follow the NBA but they started their season last week um they're playing a shortened season and it's because they got pushed so late with their playoffs right. and everything else. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think the idea was because they needed to finish that season, they needed to finish the playoffs, they needed to declare a champion. They they pushed it all the way. I don't even remember when, when the Lakers won. But so what, what happened is, is like, I think what they decided is we need to make sure the 21-22 season is perfect and full and normal so they're sacrificing this 2021 season with the shortened season but look they're not in the bubble anymore so who knows what's going to happen we've already seen the houston rockets have have had to uh, postpone two games already okay and that's what i was going to ask you because i don't follow it so i was curious a week in like how is it going uh that's the one team that has been affected you have uh, a couple of players. I, I don't know the full story, but I, I read something to where they may have like a few of the players on the team may have gotten together and, and hosted something, which uh, 
could have uh, possibly, uh, I guess, opened the. I don't even know if they they tested positive, but there were there was some worry there. And then you had James Harden uh, on video at a strip club <laughs> oh, with with with, 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 with Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> All right, let's talk about our favorite players of all time now. Like I said, not a whole lot of giant stuff. I mean, we can analyze some of these moves or look, you know, who else is out there to chase. But I just thought it would be fun being it's the the last show of 2020 to give people listening a little bit of uh, an idea of the type of players that we really like that we would consider our favorites. And I wanted to go position by position because I don't think I've ever really thought about it this way. Uh, you know, I've I've had you know if I was to rank my favorite players of all time, it's probably uh, Robbie Thompson, Barry Bonds, and Lincecum, and then just a bunch of people like Will Clark and and guys like that. You know, right there as well. But uh, I never thought about it, you know, from a position standpoint, and so I thought it'd be fun. And I'll let you lead off, and let's actually start with first base because I'm assuming that our favorite first baseman is the same guy considering uh, he's also part of the name of this podcast yeah uh, so my favorite first baseman is Ted Wood no (laughs) (laughs) he did play first base a couple of times I gotta give him that but yeah of course we're gonna go Will Clark here Uh, we're gonna have a lot of the same players yeah um, just because we're around the same age but you Uh, know what I bet you we have some clear differences as well you know what the funny thing you say that when we get to left field, you might be a little shocked. But mm. so first base, Will Clark, um, it, it, he came into the league in 1986. I was 13. It was the summer I turned 13. Uh, Van Halen's 5150 had just come out. <laughs> uh, Sammy Hagar was the new lead singer, new life in the band. And this kid was playing first base for the Giants. And I just fell in love, man. And and when it comes to all-time favorite Giants, and, and just to preface too, this list, we kind of stuck with players we've seen, obviously. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I love Willie Mays. I've never seen him play. He was he, he retired the year I was born. So, um, but he came into the league, and I was just completely blown away with the swing, with the attitude and everything he brought to that team, that entire team, he embodied that team. So I, I've got to go with him at first base as, as my, my favorite San Francisco Giants first baseman. Yeah, I, I 100% in agreement. When, he, when they drafted him, it felt like, oh, like there's something here. And then you saw him blow through the minors like with just utter ease like he's i think he went didn't he, he like he went directly to fresno or something like directly to triple a well and, actually he went to double a he didn't even play in triple a oh really he didn't play in triple a until he got hurt and was rehabbing got um it. but yeah he, yeah, he got hurt that first year right right so uh yeah my, my will clark is is there for me did you have any backups because obviously brandon belt would be a backup for me but he's you know i like brandon belt but he was no will of thrill you know, I didn't do backups on this list, but if I had to go with another first baseman, it would definitely be J.T. Snow. Mm. Uh, loved the defense uh, that J.T. Snow gave us. Um, always gave us some really tough at bats, um, and and uh, I like I liked his swagger too. He just kind of the the quiet swagger, and he was always really good at picking kids off um, at home plate, uh, which was awesome. You know, grabbing grabbing little bakers by the mm-hmm. by the chest and hauling them away so yeah 
All right. So second base uh, for me, I already said he's my favorite player of all time, Robbie Thompson. <laughs> uh, I mean, you have you have guys like Jeff Kent. You have guys like Ray Durham. There might be a few uh, Joe Panic fans out there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, Freddie Sanchez, maybe. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, the uh, Manny Trio was playing second base for the Giants. But yeah, it's for me, it's Thompson. He was the, the reason why I wanted to play middle infield when I was growing up. Yeah, and I played second base in Little League. And so, of course, Robbie Thompson was my guy. Um you know, again, I don't really have a backup here, uh, but but whenever Robbie Thompson, Will Clark, and uh, Jose Uribe were on the field, uh, you kind of felt you just kind of had that nice feeling. Like if a pitcher gets a ground ball, uh, good things are going to happen. So always having him in that lineup and watching that little, uh, you know, his little weird batting stance that he had too was always pretty awesome. Uh, such a fun slap hitter. Yeah, I, I loved Robbie. I've got him at second base also. All right, I'm very interested in your shortstop predict or your shortstop pick because, um, you know, you mentioned Uribe. He's obviously there. There's been Rich Aurelia. There's Brandon Crawford. But I'm wondering who you picked. You know, I was really, really leaning towards Rich Aurelia. Um, just because he was there during the big crusher years. Um, fun guy to watch whenever he got dusted. Uh, off at the plate, you know, he'd get right back up and get dialed in and usually give you a nice hit and a home run sometimes. Um, but I, I gotta go with Brandon Crawford, uh, just because Crawford Crawford's glove was above and beyond anybody we've ever had. Royce Clayton comes in a close second with Mm -hmm. his glove, but I think Brandon Crawford with his glove, um, just kind of, you know, being the, being the forever Giants fan and then uh, only being a Giant in his career so far. Uh, again, these are not the best of these positions. We are picking our favorite, yep. uh, you know, positions of all time. And, and I love, I mean, can you imagine an infield with Brandon Crawford, Robbie Thompson, and Will Clark? I mm-hmm. mean, that, that would be pretty damn sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my pick is... Um Johnny LaMaster. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody somewhere (laughs) probably picked Johnny LaMaster. (laughs) The guy who uh, put the the word boo on the back of his jersey (laughs) because of how San Francisco fans treated him. (laughs) And rightly so. Jeez, when you hit... 230 for your entire career with right. no power but you know <laughs> but at that time that was okay yeah as, as long as, you, had as, long as you play defense yeah yeah <laughs> um someone you named already i'm going royce clayton when i was in high school so i'm a, a junior on the baseball team and uh i have to sort of be uh, as a junior, I had to be a little bit more of a utility kind of infielder, so I didn't get to play second. Uh, so I had to play a little bit of third, and I would also take ground balls at shortstop. I'd, I'd basically take ground balls at all three positions because I was that player as a backup uh, in in my junior year, and then in my senior year. I have to play shortstop because we have nobody else. My senior year was, oh my god, it was what, what a terrible team we had, and so, um. Like, I'm literally learning how to play shortstop by watching Royce Clayton and listening to Joe Morgan do the games. And so I'm, like, recording games and playing back 
things that they would say and okay you know here's the footwork on this thing and here you know because it's not like my coach could necessarily teach yeah. me all of those things and so i i really went to clayton and, and joe morgan to learn how to play that position decently well i mean i wasn't i didn't have i wasn't super fleet footed so i didn't have crazy range but you know i i became sort of a dependable player there thanks to watching those guys or thanks to watching royce and listening to joe well, you know, just kind of a, a, a sidetrack in there for a minute. And people don't understand, like nowadays there's travel ball. There's, I mean, there's a million, there's a million coaches out there that you can go to. You can hop on the phone and say, Hey, I need a coach to help me with my footwork. Okay. Yeah. Go to this guy. When, when you and I were kids and we were in high school, it was, uh, I mean, there were, there was no internet. You had to watch these programs and watch guys during games and see what they did. So we emulated a lot of these guys growing up to learn how to do certain things. I remember uh, in high school, I was in a slump and I remember going to the local library and renting a VHS tape of, uh, remember the great Charlie Lau, <laughs> the, the, the hitting instructor, Charlie Lau, I, I rented a videotape of his. And I also got one of uh, Cal Ripken Jr. of how to, you know, footwork at second base and at shortstop. Up and oh, around yeah. the infield. That's how we learned. Because, yeah, we had coaches that were just there because, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily a baseball coach, but they got the job and they were uh, the baseball coach for that season. So we had a lot of that and it was kind of frustrating, but it taught you how to go out and, and seek this information on your own. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and look, like you said, you can, you know, you can hire coaches and you probably could when we were younger, too. But, oh, maybe, it, yeah. you know, it's not like that was a big thing. It's not like, you know, I mean, my dad coached as well and he, he coached me all the way through. But he was coaching the when I when I was playing on the varsity team, he was actually the the manager of, of the junior varsity team. So he wasn't even at my practices or anything. So I'm just trying to figure all this stuff out. Now, you know, as a second baseman, you kind of have the footwork, but then you learn as a shortstop. OK, I got to play a little bit deeper. I got to make stronger throws from this position. I don't I don't really have a lot of time to get the ball out of the glove. So there's just different things. The way you you take a you know, you, you take the bag on a steal is the opposite. Turning a double plays from the other side. So there's you know, there's tons of things that you eventually do learn. But uh, but yeah, that, I, I, that that's one of those things where, you know, I'm sure kids are watching baseball now, but I, I wonder if, you know, they sort of do it the same way that we had to probably, probably somewhat, but, but, you know, there's probably YouTube things that you can then go search for and they teach you rather than me going like, come on, just hit a ball to Royce in this position. I want to see what he does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for him to get a, to, yeah, to get a hit to him so you can see what he does. Yeah. I remember that too, because I played uh, center field also. So I was always watching the outfielders, no matter who, you know, what game it was or whoever it was, I was just watching what they did. Probably learned some bad habits from Ricky Henderson, uh, but you know, <laughs> but he was one of the ones we got to watch in the bay area so oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> snatch catching and everything right um okay so let's take it to the three bag who's your I, I, we, i'm guessing we got the same player but go for it i don't know because i actually i was leaning towards matt williams and then i started thinking about it more and go who's more fun to watch at third base than pablo Oh. You know, I loved watching Pablo at third base. You can, you can never see, you know, you never get to see a big guy like that 
be so athletic at third. And so, and, and again, just all around hitter and not just going fielding, obviously love to watch him hit those big hits that he got, uh, you know, for the 10, 12 and 14 teams, not necessarily the 10 teams, but more the 12 and mostly the 14 team. Um, but yeah, I got, I mean, I love Matt Williams. Um, but he frustrated me so much with his low batting average at times, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that my favorite third baseman got to, I got to go with Pablo. So that's a good pick. Pablo is a really good pick. I'm going to go with with Matt just because I feel like we saw him like as a baby. Yeah. You know, he would come up from Las Vegas. I mean, he he went to school in Las Vegas. He'd come up from Phoenix. um, And was it Phoenix or Fresno back then? I don't even remember. Uh, It was Phoenix. Okay, so he would come up from Phoenix and then, you know, he would be up for a little while and then they tend to back down because he hit like 140 with like seven home runs right. <laughs> and and but then finally in uh 89 was it no 80, 87 he he plays in that in that 87 series against cardinals but by 88 and 89 he's he's pretty much a stud at that point so he's he's who he became and i just feel like we got to see him every step of the way very much like pablo too um and then uh, the other the only other players i could think of uh david bell but he wasn't around for that long and then also uh who was the uh the third baseman gosh why am i blanking on his name daryl evans well, Evans, uh, I would have only known Evans as a first baseman. Yeah. When I was watching there, I mean, guys like when I, okay, Joel Youngblood <laughs> making <laughs> right. 45 errors at third base when I'm, when I'm growing up. Yeah. Well, Bob Brenly played a little third Bob base. Brenly four errors in one game and then hits the, hits the home run, uh, to, to win the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was trying to think of who else was there. Um, who else was playing third uh, but I guess those are the guys. Um, so if we move over to left field, I'm guessing that you're going Hackman over Barry. I was going to go Hackman because he is one of my favorite giants of all time. I love Barry Bonds. Okay. Love him. He's got a lot of baggage. He's got a lot of extra stuff. He wasn't always my favorite. Yeah. Um, he just, he frustrated me with his attitude. Uh, love the guy, but then all the baggage and all the steroid stuff and everything else just kind of soured me on the guy. Um, but I got to go with Kevin Mitchell. Wow. Yeah. Love when they, well, traded- no, no, you know what? Yeah. That, that, that's a really solid pick. I, I, um, I would have had Kevin Mitchell third, I think. Right. But if you have Kevin Mitchell at third, he doesn't make a barehanded catch. No, 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 no. So that's, <laughs> that's why I had to, I had to put him in left. I mean, the dude hit 47 jacks or whatever in 1989. Yeah. Well, and when they traded for him, uh, right, they traded for him. And I think the first game with him or uh, with the Giants in 87, right? Mm hmm. If I'm if I'm correct on that, Chris Brown was the third baseman for us, and That's then right. they moved Chris Brown to wherever. Chris Brown <laughs> made the All Star team in 1986. He did. He was our lone All Star guy in '86. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they make the trade for him. He comes over. They're playing in Chicago at Wrigley, and he hits two home runs in the first game of a doubleheader. I was in love. I mean, that was it. I'm like, this guy is the greatest thing ever. And then he goes on to crush uh, in '87, '88, and then '89. He has his big, you know, 47 home run year. Um, I, I just I, I'm a big fan of the guy. I. 
there was even an article in Sports Illustrated that showed him, I don't know if you remember, it was around 89 maybe, uh, that showed him swinging a bat in a swimming pool. And that's how he got up a lot of his bat speed and strength. So I thought, well, shoot. Okay, are we sure? Are we sure that yeah. there was not there was no steroids involved in 1989? With I'm, sure, I'm sure there was <laughs> because across the bay, we got Big Mac and Jose just like pumping it, right? And so I always wondered about that because Mitchell. So Mitchell physically, he looked a little bit bigger, but he wasn't like this tall, gigantic guy. He was probably still only like five ten or five eleven, but he just got so strong. And Will would always say that you know when when Kevin would warm up, he would warm up with like a sledgehammer or something. Like <laughs> right. that's how he would warm up his to 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 loosen his his bat speed. So that was always nuts. Well, and then and so I saw that article of him swinging in a pool, and so I went to our local pool, and I always brought a bat with me and so you know because we play ball at the field next to it so we go to the local pool and i got in the uh, got in the pool with my bat and i would take some swings until they kicked me out but it was i was like oh i gotta do this too because i'm gonna get stronger yeah i was like four foot 11 135 pounds so there's no way in hell i was gonna do anything like that but but just watching the guy like i wanted to be like him and just hit massive home runs so anytime i'd hit from the right side of the plate playing wiffle ball i, I would always do the Mitchell swing and then I'd crush it and just, you know, like lay the bat down and, and I'd always have my shirt unbuttoned. What is it? Two or three buttons down usually. And I have it just wide open with a gold chain hanging. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then, you know, you, you, you mentioned the thing that more so than any home run he's ever hit that is replayed over and over and over again is the barehanded catch. Yeah. Okay, you you were an outfielder growing up. I was an infielder, so I, I don't, you know, I, I you would know better than me. How poorly did he have to misjudge that fly ball <laughs> to have to throw his right hand up to catch it with his bare hand? I I was not a great outfielder, so I can relate completely to what it is that he did. Um, and when he did it too, I was thinking, oh man, I I can do that as well. I've done that plenty of times. Just you know just to show off and be like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do, but never against major league hitting. I mean, on the infield, a guy hits a little looper up in the, uh, up in the air and you're going to grab it with your hand. <laughs> but to do what he did was absolutely insane. But yes, he absolutely did misplay that ball. I can confirm that as an outfielder, there's no possible way that that was done. Like, Hey, I'm going to show you what I can do. Nah, nah. He, he, he ran in a little too far on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously for me, it's bonds. I, I, you know, he's, um, you know, I, I do understand the love hate relationship that some giants fans had for him. I was never, I never had a problem with hot dogging in general. Like if you compared what Barry did back then to what guys are able to do now, what some of the things that Barry did were pretty tame, you know, compared to like a lot of the bat drops that we see and a lot of the screaming after you hit a ball and throw your bat up in the air. Like Barry was more just like super confident, cocky, but he wasn't. I, I mean, maybe, maybe some pitchers thought he was disrespectful. I, I don't know. I've never really heard anyone say, oh, you know, Bonds was super disrespectful. Nah. I think the thing that I, I struggled with a little bit was the the whole locker room thing. Um and, and the one thing I, I actually want you to take on this, I remember they would say to him, you know, how come you don't take anybody under your wing? How you, you have all of this knowledge? How come you don't share these secrets? 
and he was like they may you know they may use it against us like how do i know this person i know i'm gonna be here but how do i know this other person's <laughs> gonna be here I, i'm you know i'm gonna give this guy all my secrets and then he comes back and uses it to beat us like that was kind of his attitude i just kind of oh you know that kind of makes sense oh yeah but and, then, and at that time with you know more guarded you were the the better because nowadays everything's on video yeah so so i mean you can analyze the hell out of everything and try to emulate somebody but back then it was more like you know hey what you know, what is it you you, you can do and i'm not going to tell you you know and i i'm, I'm going to i'm going to do an equivalent here Barry Bonds is like Eddie Van Halen cuz when Eddie Van Halen was coming up uh when he used to play in the clubs he would play his solos with his back to the crowd because he didn't want anybody to see the crazy stuff mm-hmm. he was doing and try to copy him so he tried to keep that all to himself well now with video and everything else you could see what he's doing and everybody's copied him now but he still can't play like him yeah. just like you can sure learn what Bonds is doing but you can't hit like him yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, and then he becomes a hitting coach for a year. <laughs> right. to, yeah. So, okay. So uh, I had Hackman as number two, but Mitchell was, Mitchell was good. That Mitchell's a really good pick for, for the time of when we were watching that team. He was, he was really, really good guy to root for. Well, I looked at uh, where he played and yes, he came over in 87 and 88 is primarily a third baseman. And then from then on, I think he only played third base. Like, Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe five, six times since then uh, for the Giants. That yeah. Is. Yeah. 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 No. I, and I also love the nickname, the boogie bear. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So center field, I'm going to go first. Cause I'm going to guess that we have okay. vastly <clears throat> different center field favorite. Um, <laughs> my pick is based more on, I wish he would have continued to play for us. And I loved him for the half of a year he was here. Uh, I'm pick, I'm going with Dion. Oh yeah, that's a good pick. I because, mean, it's a short stint, but that is a great pick. So uh, you know, 1994, Dion comes over, helps 49ers win a Super Bowl, leaves. <laughs> there was no loyalty to the Niners in any way. It was kind of like a a business deal on both uh, ends. Yeah. Uh, but so he he's with the 49ers. I got my primetime jersey and, you know, compa- you know, prime- Barry and Dion on the same team. Are you kidding? Uh, and then um, then the Giants trade for him in the 95 season. I think 94, 95, whatever, whatever that was. 95, I think. And so I was just like, wow, like he's on the Niners and he's on the Giants. But then very soon uh, he didn't he didn't want to stay in San Francisco at either place. I think he ended up with the Reds after that. But yeah, man, I was always just like, man, Dion could be such a, you know, Dion could play for both teams. He played for the Giants. He plays for the Niners. Like doesn't, he doesn't have, have to, to travel go. far. Yeah, yeah let's do it. I was in. And he, when he's when he was in Atlanta, it was Braves. And uh, Falcons, right? Did yep. he play it for them at the same time? Yep. Yeah. So, but yeah, he, he's my, he's my guy. And some of this is like, I really like Brett Butler, but then he went to the Dodgers immediately <laughs> after. You know, D- Darren Lewis was only good for like a year and a half for us, and then he wasn't good anymore. And then and Ch- you know, Chili Ch- Davis. Chili Davis, yeah. Chili Davis is probably the the best pick for for 
that time. But, you know, Chile played center field, I think, for one year, and then they moved him over to right field when I started watching. Well, and again, it's who's your favorite? Who did you love watching? And 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 speaking of Brett Butler, that was my guy. Yeah. I played center field um, for our uh, Cupertino High School team from uh, 1987 was my freshman year uh, all the way till we graduated until uh, I graduated. So uh, Brett Butler was there in 88, 89, 90. So that was the guy for me. I watched every game I could try to figure out what it was he was doing. I even went out and got myself a, a glove that was bigger than me, just like he used to use um, because I wanted to make sure I snagged everything. Yeah, he was he was 5'10", 160. I was, uh, you know, now I'm 5'8", 160. But uh, still at that time, <laughs> I, I was like, you know, this I, little guys can play. This yeah. is great. You know, yep. they could be slap hitters. They can, you know, track down balls in the outfield. So, so I love Brett Butler, even though I was at the game. Oh, was it 1991? I was at that game that he came back. The first mm-hmm. game he came back and, and when they introduced the Dodgers and they were doing the starting lineups and Brett Butler came out and and hugged Tommy Lasorda. Mm. Oh my God, the, the place <laughs> went nuts. Everybody was booing. It was just, it was awful. Tore my heart. <laughs> All right, let's move to right field. And I'm going back to 1984-85. And I'm going with Jack Clark. He was the first, my first favorite player. He was the best player on the Giants when I started watching also a, a bit of an unpopular guy in, in some points, um, you know, didn't get along with the media very well, kind of moody. And I was so sad when they traded him to St. Louis. But, you know, we talked about that trade you, where you get Uribe back. He was really the only guy you, you got back that, that, they, right. that they were able to use. But uh, yeah, he was my first favorite because he was the best player on the team when I first started watching. Yeah, that that is a very good pick. Um I loved Jack Clark when I was a kid. Um, I didn't, I just didn't get enough time with him uh, to really put him at the top of my list. Uh, I, I love Candy. I just mm-hmm. love Candy Maldonado. Uh, he was such a fun player. Um, great hitter, just all around. But I had to go with Hunter Pence mm-hmm. um, just because you got to have the reverend on, yeah. on your all time favorite team at some point, uh, just the energy he brought and then bringing those championships home. Uh, the guy, I mean, he's, he's going to be forever loved as a giant Jack Clark will too. I mean, I, you know, he's always going to be loved as a giant. Um, he's always going to be remembered as, you know, the, with the Cardinals knocking out the Dodgers. Uh, well, well, think of it. This thing, think of this. Jack Clark comes up in the Giants farm system. I think it was like 77 or 78 or something like that. He, he's he's on the team. And then he goes, I don't even know if I have these in the right order, but he goes like Cardinals, Dodgers, Red Sox, Yankees or Yankees, Red Sox. And like just plays for, he's just like a bat for hire. He didn't play for the Cubs. No, <laughs> no. After you go to the Cardinals, you got to go to the Cubs. Well, well, it's just like, they just like, okay, gun for hire. We've seen someone who right. can hit home runs and oh, Jack Clark is available. Okay, let's, let's bring him in. He's going to walk, you know, a hundred times, going to strike out a hundred times. Uh, and he's, you know, he'll hit you 30 jacks. So well, he, 
He came up with the Giants in 1975. He was 19 years old. Oh, my God. That did not happen back then. That was not really necessarily a thing. Um, so he was with the Giants from 75 all the way to 84. And so, again, for me, it was more like a two, three-year stint that I had with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Cardinals, Yankees, Padres. I forgot Fox. about the Padres. Yeah, the Padres for a couple. He had good years with the Padres, too. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, uh, up until so... His 91 season, the year, so 92, he retires in his age 36. In 91, he still hits 28 jacks, 87 RBI, walks 96 times. Uh, You know, nice, really solid OPS for his uh, 35 age season. Yeah. And just the year prior, uh, so the year prior, he slugs. 533 leads the league in walks. So it's almost it's almost kind of I wonder why I wonder if it was injury related why he retired because he still had a, a productive season the year right before he retired and then two and three seasons before that he's like leading the league and walk, walked out 132 times in 1989. Well, I don't I I don't think he was a favorite teammate. And again, I just, I mean, this is just going off of everything we read as kids and all that, you know, I just don't think he was like, you know, buddy, buddy with a lot of, of teammates. So, you know, when his time was up, he might've been like, I'm out. Cause do you see the guy around very much? I mean, you know, no, you, I don't he, hear from him very much either. You, 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 you don't, don't hear anyone talk about him nine, 10 years with the giants and you don't see him hanging around the ballpark. So, you know, so he's <laughs> Maybe ni- just done. He got his money and he was, done so his 1987 season this is the year that the cardinals knocked the giants out of the playoffs and he is he finishes third in mvp that year wins the wins the silver slugger goes the all-star game 136 walks to lead the league 35 jacks 106 rbi 459 on base leads the league 597 slugging leads the league (laughs) 1.055 1.055 OPS leads the league and hits 286. Now that was the year where home runs were kind of up and offense was kind of up yeah, for a little bit. That was the start of it. Yeah. And and so, you know, just a really really good year. I wonder who won who would have won the MVP in 87. That let's see. 87 would have been uh Mitchell, right? No, Mitchell's Oh, no, I'm sorry, 89. Uh the Hawk for the last place, coach, okay, right? Yeah, that was the yeah, last yeah, yeah. place. Uh, had Andre like forty nine home runs or something. <clears throat> yeah, he had an insane year: forty nine home runs, one hundred thirty seven RBI. Uh, then Ozzie Smith was second. Jack Clark was third. So yeah, Ozzie Smith. What Ozzie the hell? Smith. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> with his uh, no home runs and seventy five RBI, he did score one hundred four runs. Uh, you know, hit three oh three. But that that's all it took. To be second place in MVP voting, right? That, that, that's all. That's all because he was the media dandy and Jack Clark wasn't. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> all right. Let, let, let's let's get to the rest of these. So, uh, all right. catcher. I think we're gonna have the same catcher, Buster. Yeah, you got to go with Buster Posey. Bob Brenly would be the only other guy that he was I my would second even, guy too. Yeah, yeah, he's the only other guy I would consider. Uh, yeah, I was, I was trying to think of you know Benito. We've talked about Benito a little bit. But he wasn't really a giant except for a couple years. Yeah. And if but you want to hear about guys. if you want to hear about my love for Buster Posey, listen to the last podcast. I Oh yeah. You know, I gush about the guy. Love the guy. I'm so glad he's back this year. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, starting pitchers. I you know we we decided to pick two. Yep. Um, these span quite a few years. Uh, as I'm growing up, my favorite pitcher, Mike Kruko. Yep. Uh, and I think we're going to have the same two favorite starting pitchers after I heard that one. Uh, I went with Kruko as well. The first 20 game winner that, 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 that was of our era. Mm-hmm. 1986. Um, yeah. 1986. And what was the, what was the thing there? I believe Maldonado hit a grand slam in that game. Was that correct? And they ended up winning. And so he bought. Candy Maldonado, the gold chain that you then saw him wear uh, throughout the '87 season. I, I believe. I believe that's how the 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 lore goes on that one. Um, and then uh, the other starting pitcher that I picked was Tim Lincecum because. Yep. Yeah, you start a whole new era. You go from mashing the ball, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Giants are bad. Bonds is gone. And then you have this savior, this uh, miniature savior, come out with the weirdest delivery you've ever (laughs) seen. He's mowing people down, wins back-to-back Cy Youngs, and you're like, who is this guy? And he just becomes like, you know, a legend in, in Giants lore going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know. How 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 is he not known as like Timmy Tornado or something like that as as a nickname? Timmy Back Torque. <laughs> In big time Timmy Jim. <laughs> That's right. All right. So yeah. relievers, we also said we would go with two now. Uh in those early years where I'm watching uh the games, the Giants had guys like Greg Minton, the Moon Man, <laughs> Gary Lavelle. Uh, Scott Gerelts, but I would have to lean with, and, and I thought about Brian Wilson. I thought about Romo, uh, definitely probably would be in my top five, but I had to go Rob Nen and Rod Beck. We got the exact same two relief pitchers as well. Yeah. <laughs> Our pitching staff is identical because you yeah. can't uh, you can't have a team like this without Shooter on it. Yeah, uh, Rod Beck was like our first real closer that we could kind of hang on to and say, this guy's going to be out there in the ninth. We can look forward to that arm dangling. Mm -hmm. We can look forward to a little bit of, um, you know, edge of your seat pitching because he (laughs) he wasn't lights out. No, he kept things interesting. He he didn't even really throw that hard. He relied on a splitter. So he had to set guys up to get to two strikes and then throw that splitter. But you remember, uh, so right before Beck, the Giants try out Jeff Brantley right. as their closer. He, I think he either gets, I think I want to say he signed with the Reds and he be, he actually became the Reds closer and he was, I think he's actually okay. Um, but yeah, that, that gave way to a Rod Beck to become their closer who, you know, I didn't know who Rod Beck was when he started <laughs> closing. I was like, what is this like big burly guy with this mustache crazy mustache and then he became like a really fan favorite and you kind of had a little bit of a sad ending there that that story always makes me really sad hearing about you know sort of the end of of his deal he died really young too sort of you know just sad yeah i said i i believe he was uh he got into drugs is that correct um from what I remember, again, I don't want to, you know, say it without knowing for sure. Uh, but I believe he had a, a bit of a, an, an addiction problem mm-hmm. um, and uh, passed away. It was it 2007? Yes. So really, I mean, you, you kind of say, you know, you kind of look at that and say, well, it wasn't that long ago, but it really was. Now we're looking at, you know, 13 years. Yeah, it was a, a cocaine and heroin overdose, but um, 
but that's neither here nor there. That's, you know, something else. But, but either way, he was one of those guys that, you know, Giants fans really kind of took to and uh, loved watching him out on the mound. And, and, and I think he got a lot of strikeouts too, because of his Fu Manchu. I mean, mm-hmm. you go up there, you, you face a guy with a Fu Manchu and you're in the batter's box and it's the nineties and you're like, who is this dude, man? Is he going to like <laughs> chop my head off with the ball or, you know? And it's funny because he starts his career with the A's. Like they draft him. And then I think it was maybe like a year and a half later, he gets traded to the Giants. And I want to say that he was actually a starter in their minor league system, but then they figured out that he was going to be uh, better in the bullpen. And, and he takes over for Dave Rigetti, who was who was the closer at that time. Um, and so, yeah, just, uh, you know, he, there, there's it's not like he was with the Giants for a ton of years, but he really made his, you know, he put his stamp on the organization. I think he was here for like six years, maybe. And it just feels like he was with the team forever. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Rob Nen, he gave everything. Yeah. I mean, he gave his career. <laughs> Rob his entire Nen career to, to, you know, to that season in 2002 when, you know, when they were trying to win that World Series and he's, you know, his arms barely hanging on there. And, that is the last time he ever pitched in Major League Baseball. It was 2002. Finishes his career. These are his last three seasons. Uh, well, I, so, okay, so last four seasons. Um, no, really? Wow. So he pitches five seasons for the Giants. And uh, there's, two, there, there's two seasons with a 1.52 or less ERA. He had one sort of down year in 99 where his ERA was up. But his last season with the Giants, 2002, 2.20 ERA, 43 saves, 81 strikeouts in 73 innings. And then the dude doesn't pitch again. In, in, in 2000, he finishes fourth in the Cy Young voting, 41 saves, 1.50 ERA, 66 innings, 92 strikeouts. Jeez. Finishes fourth in Cy Young and twelfth in MVP, and that was the uh, was that the Kent Bonds one two finish. That was yes, two thousand. So they had three guys in the top tw- in, in the top twelve for MVP voting. Jeez, and that's the team that 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 faltered out. Two thousand was the uh, the loss to the Mets, correct? Yes. Yeah. That was a rough year. Oh, a lot of these years were rough. <laughs> Look at this. You're bringing back some bad memories. <laughs> I'm go cry in the corner. I know. I know. <laughs> but um, no, this was this was a fun experience. Uh, I liked I liked going through yeah. the old guys and thinking back. You know who was who was gonna who who were my guys. So um, you know I, I don't imagine you know it might be like this a little bit in January where stuff may may not be happening. But you know once February comes and then spring training and then the season we won't have you know a lot of time to go. <laughs> who was our favorite player in 1983? You know we won't be yeah. But that, so like we said from the beginning, this is what we're about. I mean this is what this podcast is about. I mean it's not going to be. 
we're not going to sit here and analyze, uh, you know, the top 10 uh, Giants prospects in the minor league system. There's plenty of websites and whatnot that you can find out there. Yeah. This is kind of a, you know, there's a lot of, this is the current team and this is some reminiscing too about some of the players that we grew up liking. And a lot of you out there listening, um, you know, probably said, oh, I forgot about that guy. So we're glad you're hanging out with us and, uh, you know, hearing the stories about some of these guys. I'm sure you all have your own, you know, stories about a lot of these players too. We do have that Facebook site, um, Thompson to Clark that you can hop on and we can talk about all this stuff too. It was always fun. Our Twitter page. Yeah. Tons of stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week with the first episode of 2021. But before we get out of here, Brad had an idea of your 2021 resolution for the Giants team. Okay, so here it is. I am the San Francisco Giants. I don't make resolutions on my own, by the way, um, because I just, I, you know, if it's March and I feel like I need to change something, I change it. So when the new, new year rolls around, I just relax. That's what I do. So here's, I am now the San Francisco Giants, and I am giving you my resolution as the San Francisco Giants. I have two for the year 2021. And my first resolution as the San Francisco Giants is to not blow close games in the mm. ninth inning. That is my first resolution. I promise you fans, as the San Francisco Giants, I will not blow close games in the ninth inning. My second one... Wait, is, but, will, so, but then who do, who, who's our closer then? Uh, Reyes Maranta. Okay. okay. He's going he's gonna to take care of our issues. That is, that is my resolution to you, the fans. My second one is I will not remove the right field scrim. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna keep this a live ballpark. I promise you that. I can't promise that. I'm not really the San Francisco Giants, but if I was, that's what I'm saying. My 2021 resolution is: I will not remove that scrim. You will have high scoring ball games, but pitchers still come to us because it is still a nice place to pitch in, especially at night. I will say, um, if I was to create a resolution for the Giants. I think I would say the veteran guys of Posey, Crawford, Belt, Longoria, knowing what's coming, which is maybe a little bit of a swan song for those guys, mm-hmm. yeah. that you know they they have solid seasons i want them to to have really solid seasons i don't want them to you know all of a sudden belts hitting 150 and people are calling for his head um i i think they're going to have good seasons and the way that the that the giants um front office in general celebrates their own i want to see this season really about two things a you know we're moving we're moving on we're getting better we're kind of going to get back to it but at the same time there's a there's a grace involved here and we're still celebrating what we had accomplished with these guys sort of like what they did with you know with Hunter and stuff um not not this is not to say that you know we just let them play and then they suck uh but <laughs> right. I, I do I do I would like to see you know this sort of interesting transition period but there there'll be a balance you know I want to see these guys play well we know that they're not going to be with the team next year, at least uh, at least Belton and, and, and Crawford more than likely. Um, but I want to see them celebrated in the same way. I don't want to see these guys go out 
and it's kind of a sad thing. I want I want it to be a positive thing. So that's my resolution: is the Giants handle this in a very good way, and those those players themselves hold up the their end of the bargain, and you know they have they have solid seasons, and 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 then you know we sort of say goodbye at some point. But uh, there's there's a nice balance, and I think the Giants do this probably better than most teams. I like that. I like that. I want the Giants to be respectable about this, like you said. Um, <clears throat> it's always hard to see veterans go. You know, it, it's difficult and, and it doesn't always end. You know, like like baseball players say, my career isn't always going to end the way I want it to. Um, so some of these guys might have a choice of how they want to go out um, after the season's over. Uh, do they want to continue playing for a different organization? Do they get signed by us again? Who knows? But uh, d- d- like you said, to have the organization and handle it respectfully. I like that. Yeah. So, all right. So we did it. We're, we're done. We're, we, we can wash our hands with 2020. <laughs> can hope, we, though? And hopefully 2021 is a little bit more optimistic. Hopefully we can uh, put some of this stuff in the rear view, but we also have to remember to be, to stay disciplined and to stay, you know, connected and to be good to, to people who are, uh, you know, who, who you're close to and, and all that stuff. But hopefully there's some significance, even though years and calendars are sort of made up. Um, but hopefully, you know, there's some significance to, to moving on to 2021 that we can look at optimistically and, and get back to, to things as normal. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, for Brad, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.